The Mailroom is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime is a new app that tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. GameTime also offers the best concert and theater ticket deals out there. So if sports aren't your thing all the time, GameTime still has you covered. And paying on GameTime is super easy. With a two-tap process right in the app, getting the best deals on tickets could not be more simple. More than 12 million fans have already downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Live from Studio Nowhere. This is the Athletics Mailroom Podcast. Now here's your host, Amy Parlapiano. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Mailroom. I'm Amy Parlapiano. This is our weekly NFL podcast where we ask our very own subscribers questions to a different guest each week. You guys submitted these questions. I merely curated them. And this week, we have the Athletic NFL's senior writer who does a lot of work for the Athletic Chicago as well. It's Dan Pompey. Hey, Dan, how's it going? Hi, Amy. Nice to be with you today. Thanks for having me. Of course. And we're, we're very happy to have you on for a variety of reasons, one of which is that you are based out of Chicago and there's quite a lot to talk about there right now. Um, we've got a lot of Bears fans who are searching for answers. They're hoping that you can you can give them some clarity on what's going on in Chicago. So we'll start with that. A couple of those questions right off the top. So Austin A says, Dear Dan, I have a multiple part question here. Number one, what do you see Ryan Pace and the Chicago Bears doing to address their quarterback situation? And number two, what do you think they should do? And uh, quickly, Lou S. adds in a separate question, Dear Dan, please give me some positive outlook as a Bears fan. What can Pace do to fix this? <laughs> well, let's start with the quarterback situation. Um, you know, Mitchell Trubisky clearly has been a, a disappointment this year. And uh, the Bears uh, have, a, have to address the, the position because his contract will be up after the 2020 season. Um, you know, I think that the thought had been if he performed well this year, if he kind of continued uh, an upward arc, uh, that they would have tried to extend him in the offseason. The way things are looking right now, I don't know that that would be a great idea uh, under the assumption that he does not turn around his season suddenly. So I think uh, short term, what they need to do is, is uh, just continue to play him because I, I think he still gives them the best chance to win. Uh, you know, he clearly was a better quarterback in 2019 than he's been in 2020. Uh, maybe they can do something to kind of recapture a little of what he had last year and, and try to move him along further uh, because he does have some talent, but he clearly has not been consistent with it. And uh, like I said, this season he has he's regressed a little bit. He, he really has not performed well in the majority of his games. I think long-term they need to look at uh, – you know, bringing in another veteran probably next year. They have a deficit of draft picks because of a few trades they've made, including the Khalil Mack trade. So, um, you know, they're not going to be in the running for the top quarterbacks in the draft next year, barring more moves uh, with draft picks. Uh, so, you know, I think they have to look at the veteran market. You know, you've got a guy uh, like Teddy Bridgewater who might be out there, or if the Saints decide to, to bring him back, maybe, who knows, maybe Drew Brees would be out there. 
but, you know, the Bears have a pretty talented uh, roster, certainly talented defense. And I think for that reason, they might be attractive uh, to a veteran quarterback uh, in the offseason. Um, in, in terms of uh, giving you something positive for, for the Bears, uh, I, I got to tell you, it's tough right now because uh, th- their offense has been really, really uh, deficient on every level. And defensively, I don't think they're the same without Akeem Hicks. So uh, mm-hmm. they're in a tough spot right, now, spot right now. The good news is they play a team this week in the Chargers that have had struggles of their own. Yeah, oh, definitely. The Chargers have plenty of their own issues as well. Do you um, – I've been seeing kind of, you know, it's trade deadline season. Everybody is, like, speculating about all these different things. Do you see any scenario in which they would try to trade for a quarterback now, or do you see that happening uh, next season if it happens? I think I'd kind of be surprised if it happened now. You know, you usually don't see in-trade quarter or in-season quarterback trades, although – We've seen a few of them. You know, we saw Jimmy Garoppolo was an in-season trade. Uh, Sam Bradford a few years ago was an in-season trade. Um, you know, th- there have been some, but I-, I think they're more exception rather than the rule. I think the Bears at this point have to decide, you know, are they are, are they buyers or sellers at the, mm-hmm. at the trade deadline? Or, or are, there any, are they anything? Do they just stand pat? Um, again, the other problem is they have – uh, a lack of uh, draft capital to, to make these deals with. So I'd, right. I'd be surprised if they made such a deal. And then the kind of the last thing on the Bears here was someone, uh, Julian had asked about uh, Matt Nagy and his offense in general. Uh, because aside from everyone's obviously talking to Trubisky and Trubisky's troubles, but in terms of Matt Nagy's offense in general, he was asking, what are your thoughts on his offense in general? And has have he and his RPOs been figured out? Well, you know, I think there's a lot going on there. I think, um, you know, they have not had a commitment to run the football at all. And I think that goes beyond just play calling. I think it's something that uh, is offensive philosophy. I think it's tied to uh, playbook. I think it's tied to roster construction. And, uh, you know, it, it all kind of comes to a point on, on game day. And, um you know, it, it's one thing to have that kind of philosophy when you've got Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback or Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. It's another thing when you've got a young quarterback who's struggling and trying to figure it out because uh, now you're at a point where you can't run it or you can't throw it. And, you know, I don't know that Matt Nagy's been figured out as much as uh, some of his players have not played up to expectations this season and not played as well as they played last year. And, uh, you know, he is not uh, particularly adjusted well. And, and uh, I think part of that reason, like I said, is because this offense is not really built to do anything other than what they've tried to do up to this point. Right. And so now this kind of is a good transition into another team that is struggling, um, although this one has a, a large amount of issues that go beyond just the quarterback. But uh, so William M. says, Dear Dan, do you see any chance that the Jets move on from Adam Gase after one season? And I want to add, uh, Dan, you wrote a, a very good profile of Adam Gase a few months ago. You spent a lot of time with him. Um, so with this question, I'm, I'm kind of more interested in in what you learned from your time spent with him and, and if you think from kind of what you gleaned from him uh, and how kind of obsessed he is with work, as we learned, um, if he's built to bounce back from this kind of a pretty disastrous start to the season, obviously some of this is out of his control. 
Um, but kind of what you learned from him, spending that time with him, and, and if you think he's kind of built to bounce back from this uh, really bad start. Well, you know, I think uh, there have been a lot of extenuating circumstances in New York, not to make excuses for uh, Adam Gase, but uh, I would be really surprised if he's not back next year, uh, in part because, you know, the, the ownership there had a lot of conviction in him in the offseason. And, you know, they, they understand what's happened there with, with the injury, certainly with uh, Sam Darnold being unable to play most of the games up to this point. And, uh, you know, they, they've just they've had a, a, about as big a, of a nightmare start as you could possibly have, uh, given, you know, some of the circumstances beyond their control. And I know he's got a, a close relationship with the owner. Uh, so I think you've got to kind of give them a chance to work things out. I wouldn't be surprised to see them improve a little bit in the second half. I think they're the type of team uh, that could kind of uh, get some momentum going as they get players back and as they uh, develop a rhythm and figure some things out. So I think, uh, you know, to me, I don't think it's, it, they're going to be quite uh, as bad or, uh, as, as the situation from the, the first uh, quarter of the season or third of the season would indicate they might be in the rest of the season. Yeah, and when we did our, as a staff, we did our kind of preseason predictions or heading into the season, and a large majority of us had Sam Darnold as a breakout player of the year. Obviously, like the mono, it completely messed everything up there, and we we don't really know. He's only played uh, two games since the first one of the season, so, you know, that obviously comes into effect there, but kind of, are you still a a Sam Darnold believer in terms of thinking that he can have a the kind of really successful uh, be the like franchise quarterback there that people think. Obviously, we don't quite have the sample size we thought we'd have at this at this point. But do you, you say you think the Jets can turn it around? Do you think that Sam Darnold is going to only continue to improve as well? I do. You know, I think uh, I mean, he's clearly a young player with a lot of potential. Uh, I don't think there, you know, to, to my knowledge, there was nobody who really didn't think pretty highly of him when he was uh, coming out of school. And I think he's in the right hands with with Adam Gase. And I think he's got a good situation there with a running back to hand the ball off to. Um, you know, I think as he continues to get experience as they continue to build around him and get uh, some more weapons for him and protection and all that, uh, I think he's a player who who should continue to progress and, and get better. But, you know, he's uh, obviously there was a little controversy last week with uh, – uh, the NFL films microphones picking up uh, him saying he was seeing ghosts and everyone uh, thought that was, you know, an indictment of him. But, you know, I think that's probably pretty common with young players, young quarterbacks to feel that way uh, as, as they try to, to figure it out, especially against a, a complex defense that is, is trying to make him see ghosts and is trying to confuse him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's part of the development process and, you know, until you get to be a guy who has seen it all and has the seasoning of, of a quarterback like the one he was opposing uh, the other night, uh, then, then I think you're going to have some of those games and some of those experiences. Yeah, and I, I saw Le'Veon Bell, I think, came out pretty strongly on Twitter. He tweeted about how it was unfair that they aired that clip of Sam Darnold said, saying, I'm seeing ghosts on the sidelines. And I think there was some argument that he'd said, you know, why do you think they never air, you know, the more established quarterbacks talking on the sidelines? Like, this isn't the only guy who's ever said something like that. So, um, so we'll see what happens there. It'll be interesting to see him improve. I know that everyone was really high on him going into the season. So, 
Um, okay, so we're going to move on to a team that's been pretty inconsistent uh, in the Cowboys in a very confusing NFC East <laughs> division. Um, so Spencer G says, Dear Dan, what do you make of the Cowboys' up-and-down stretch over the past few weeks? What is the biggest reason for the inconsistency? And is Dak Prescott more or less likely to get a big payday as things stand now? Yeah, that, that's a really difficult question for me. Uh, obviously, it's been a difficult question for Jason Garrett, too, because he hasn't been <laughs> yeah. able to, to figure it out. Um, you know, they, uh, they've they really been uh, as inconsistent a team probably as there's, there has been in the National Football League this year because they started out looking like, you know, they, they were going to be a strong Super Bowl contender. And then they went into a, a tailspin. Uh, maybe they're coming out of it now with, with the win the other night. But, um, you know, I, I think they're a team that uh, certainly has the ability uh, to play pretty good football down the stretch. But I think what, what we're being told by the Cowboys up to this point uh, is, is that, you know, they're not as good as they started. And I don't think they're as bad as they were in, in that three-game losing streak either. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. And, um, you know, I, I think they're a team that uh, is probably going to be in it all year. And I think, you know, they're in the right division to be in it all year because, uh, you know, no one's going to run away with the NFC East. So, um, you know, if they get uh, Dak and, and Zeke and Cooper rolling the way they can, you know, they're going to they're going to be a strong contender for a playoff spot still. Yeah, we another thing uh, with our predictions that I'm thinking about now that we're almost at the midseason point is that I think pretty much all of us had picked the Eagles to win that division. So do you see the Cowboys kind of finishing it out and, and taking that division now? Or do you see the Eagles bouncing back? And they've been really confusing as well. They have been. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's it's kind of up for grabs yet. I, I yeah. uh I think, uh, you know, that's one of those divisions that's probably going to come down to the last week or two of the season. And, uh, you know, I, I expect the Eagles to bounce back a little bit too. They're in a bad way right now. And, you know, it seems like they can never get things uh, healthy in that secondary. That's been a, a problem for them going back for a number of years now. But I think uh, if that ever happens and they get, they get uh, their offense a little more consistent, uh, that could be a team that, that makes a run as well. Um, you know, the thing about an NFL season, is it, it's a long, long way. It's a long road. And, um, you know, oftentimes uh, a team that, that finds a way to be good in the last quarter is, is a team that's going to be where they need to be if they could just kind of tread water uh, for these peri- this period of time. And, you know, I, th- I think the, the Eagles have shown to be pretty good at that under Doug Peterson, obviously, uh, the last two years, you know, they, they had uh, issues, uh, ver- various issues at this point of the season, and then they finished strong. And I think you know, the best teams and the best coaches know how to do that. Obviously, Bill Belichick's been great at that through the years, too, although it's not looking like he's going to have to worry about it much this year the way yeah. the Patriots are playing. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. So uh, this, we kind of mentioned a couple of confusing teams, and then there have been some really surprising ones as well. So... I kind of liked this, uh, these two questions uh, about some of these more dark horse candidates. So John H. says, Dear Dan, who is a dark horse for the Super Bowl that no one is talking about? And then another kind of take on this question that I like that's relevant to the World Series is, uh, what is the NFL equivalent to the Nationals making the World Series from Rahul R.? Well, I don't know if this qualifies. You tell me if this qualifies <laughs> for a dark horse, Amy. 
But, uh, you know, the, the team that I think of as a dark horse is the undefeated San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, only because no one expected them to be here and no one expected them to, uh, uh, to be 6-0. and And, uh, you know, and I think still, if, if we talked about the, uh, the powers in the NFC, you know, we, we talk about the Saints, certainly. I think at this point, we'd have to talk about the Packers. Mm-hmm. Might even talk about the Cowboys and the Eagles, as we just did. And you talk about the Seattle Seahawks. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, I, I don't know that anyone really believes that the 49ers are the best team in, in the NFC. But, uh, you know, the record says they are. And, and they've done a lot of good things. And they've got a quarterback who does nothing but win. And their defense has really turned it on. So, uh, to me, they're they're kind of a dark horse. Uh, I, you know, I, I, maybe I'm cheating a little bit, but they're, they're my dark horse. No, it's interesting because uh, every week, uh, Lindsey Jones and I put together the power rankings file that we do. And every week, the biggest debate that breaks out in the comment section is about the 49ers and whether they're good or whether they've just been floating with this easy schedule. And so it does seem like despite the fact that they're undefeated, they are getting less respect than I think pretty much any other team would if they were still undefeated at this point. There's a lot of questions of they've just, you know, really easy schedule. We haven't seen what they can actually do yet, things like that. So I'd agree that they're, you know, it's tough to say an undefeated team is a dark horse, but they, uh, they've they certainly been, they haven't gotten quite as much uh, universal respect as, you know, the Patriots or another undefeated team at this point in the season uh, probably would. So it's a fair answer. I rule it a fair choice for Dark Horse. Um, All right. Thank you. And uh, OK, so then we have another question about this one focuses on the AFC. And this is, dear Dan, do you see any team in the AFC that can take the first round by away from the Chiefs? Well, first of all, I mean, there, there's a lot of football left, as we said. So, I mean, you know, hey, there could be a number of teams that finish ahead of the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. If uh, we don't really know how they're going to respond to losing Patrick Mahomes or how long they're going to be without him. But, you know, they're a team that has had some issues even with Patrick Mahomes. So, um, you know, I, I definitely think there is a chance. I mean, certainly, you know, the Baltimore Ravens are a team that could do it. Uh, you know, the AFC South uh, has got a couple teams there and the Colts and Texans, you know, if uh, – you know, you've got two young quarterbacks who are playing pretty well. And uh, if one of them gets a hot hand, look out. Um, you know, you, you have to give the Bills their respect. I mean, you know, like, like the 49ers. Yeah. You know, we don't want to respect <laughs> them, but they're 5-1. And, one, and uh, you know, they, they've, uh, they, they've won every game they're supposed to win and some they weren't supposed to win. So, um, you know, you gotta you got to kind of keep an eye on them and, and see what happens there too. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of contenders in, in the uh, AFC and, you know, things happen every year that no one expects will happen. And that's one of the beauties of, of football. You know, oftentimes uh, at this time of year, we start to see some separation and some teams start to rise that are surprising. So, uh, you know, these, these next few weeks, I think we'll be telling in that. Yeah, and you mentioned the Ravens, uh, which reminds me of another piece you did uh, that I loved er- earlier this, uh, I think it was over the summer. You wrote on Lamar Jackson and kind of the whole way that the Ravens went about getting him and, and how they've decided to kind of change their entire offense uh, for him and-, and how 
seems like that that's working out pretty well so far for him. And uh, would you, uh, you know, now that we're kind of doing our midseason predictions soon, uh, is he on your short list for potential MVPs? I know it's way too early, but he's played uh, very well. I think probably it's between him and Russell Wilson at this point. He's certainly a, a candidate, I think, without a yeah. doubt, because of all the things that he means to that team. You know, he, in some ways, he means more, I think, to the Ravens than most quarterbacks mean to their teams because everything is built around him. And, you know, he is such a contributor to the to the run game as well as the pass game. And he changes the way that, that uh, defenses have to approach the Ravens as much or more than any quarterback in the league. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that's that's certainly, uh, you know, a fair statement by you. Although I think, you know, there are some other guys we have to keep our, an eye on for MVP too. I mean, we, we can't dismiss uh, the old guy in New England yet, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> again, there's there's a lot of time left. And I think uh, – And Aaron Rodgers you know, after Aaron last Rogers, week's game is right back was, in the thick of it. Yes, he was my next one to say too. And who knows, you know. Who, who knows what's going to happen with Garoppolo, with uh, Dak, with uh, um, Mahomes. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. if he comes back and lights things up. Uh, yeah. Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, there's there's some candidates there and, and a lot of time for them to emerge. All right. This one is a little bit of a different question, but I'm interested in, in your response to it. It's an interesting question. Um, so Shiloh D says, Dear Dan, this question is a bit random. But do you feel that the NFL will ever cease to exist due mainly to the level of violence involved? Well, ever is a long time, so I don't know about ever, <laughs> yeah. but I the would say, is- yeah, I would say foreseeable future, no. I think, you know, the NFL uh, is is way too popular. I know, you know, people talk about doom and gloom with the league and they don't think it's sustainable or, you know, I mean, certainly in uh, our lifetimes, I don't think that the NFL will ever stop uh, being popular and doing well. I know people talk about youth football and uh, you know, the number is dwindling in some cases, but I think, um, you know, I I think the game is, is thriving at a number of levels. And the other thing I think is that, you know, there have been a lot of changes made uh, to the game in all kinds of different ways uh, that, that have made it uh, a safer game. Now, does that take away the violence or the, you know, the threat of uh, serious injury? No, it doesn't. We still see those all the time, but it, I think it's diminished that. I don't think that you're going to see uh, as many players with as many serious uh, problems from their playing career uh, from this era as you did from the players who played in the 60s and 70s. Um, and that's that's due to the rules. It's due to the playing surfaces. It's due to equipment. Uh, you know, I, I think it, it's due to uh, understanding of how to treat concussions better and, uh, you know, more brain science and uh, players uh, maybe not going back out on the field as much with uh, after suffering a brain trauma, uh, you know, so I, I think, uh, I think the league has, has made a lot of progress and oftentimes, you know, we, we don't credit them for that. It's not just the league, the entire game of football, I think at all levels. And I think, uh, 
you know, that, that will help in terms of the sustainability of football. Yeah, I think it's likely that it will look it will keep looking like a different game over time and it will keep changing and evolving in terms of technology. But I agree that it's difficult to imagine it not existing, at least in our lifetimes. Um, all right. Adam F. We're back to the advice train. <laughs> Adam F. wants your advice, Dan. He says, Dear Dan, besides the 2020 draft, what do I have to look forward to as a Dolphins fan for the rest of the season? <laughs> Well, it's stone crab season in Florida. You've got stone crabs. You've got sunshine. You've got uh, you've got uh, beautiful people on South Beach. Uh, I'm doing my best. You're keep, uh, keep going. It's going. I'm well. trying. It's great suggestions. Uh, you know, it's it's tough if you're a Dolphins fan. I mean, it'd be different if they had like a, a young franchise guy. You could say, well, watch his development, or you know. Uh, this guy uh, needs to really uh, continue to grow this season. You'll, you'll be able to see the, the fruits of this season next year. But I don't know that they've got their quarterback in the future. Uh, I don't know that, uh, you know, that they have a lot of good young building blocks. I guess the only thing you could say is maybe uh, uh, enjoy watching Brian Flores and his coaching style and seeing, uh, you know, how that develops and grows as a as a young coach who's still kind of figuring things out himself. Yeah, I think that all Dolphins fans just have like, they all have countdowns going for the 2020 draft and they're just following everyone every week and just counting counting down the days while they bask in the sunshine. The Super Bowl will be in Miami this year, so uh, they right. won't be seeing the Dolphins, but they'll be seeing they can go do Super Bowl-related activities. So there's that. Um, all right, we can get through a couple more here before we wrap up. Uh, Wilson B has a question about the Panthers and he says, dear Dan, what's missing from a healthy Cam Newton's game that would make Kyle Allen seem like a better option for the season, even when Cam is ready to return? Uh, why is Carolina not viewed as a relatively complete team with Newton there? Well, you know, I guess my first question is what is a healthy Cam Newton? Is, yeah. is, is that Cam Newton from 2015 when he was the MVP or is, you know, is a healthy Cam Newton in 2019, something different? Um, because I don't know that. I don't know that anybody knows that. Um, but, you know, he hasn't been that player for a while and he hasn't been healthy for a while. So yeah. I, I know uh, from talking to Ron Rivera that, you know, they, they understood coming into the season that, you know, Cam hadn't had a lot of opportunities to work uh, in the offseason and, and in, and in uh, training camp because of his injuries. So, um, you know, they, they weren't shocked by, by what happened so far this year. Uh, but, you know, now Kyle Allen uh, has been part of a winning formula. And it's always uh, difficult to make a change when you've got a winning formula going. So, yeah. you know... It, you ask why why would he be a better option because they've got a winning formula going and you don't know what cam's uh presence would do to that now certainly yeah. uh if he if he is a quarterback that he was you know there's there's no question he can do things that, that Kyle Allen cannot but uh we we don't know that and and uh in terms of the Panthers not being viewed as a relatively complete team I mean, I really don't know how other people view them, but, um, you know, I mean, are they as complete as the Saints? I don't think anyone would say they are because the Saints have more 
dynamic players on both sides of the ball, or certainly on offense. Uh, and they have, uh, you know, when they're healthy, and they have one of the best defenses in the league as well. So, you know, ultimately they're probably going to have to get past New Orleans if they're going to want to get where they want to go, where they want to uh, be. So do you think they are going to end up sticking with Allen for at least for the uh, rest of the season or at least until they lose? What do you think that's going to look like in terms of there have been, you know, it sounds like Cam is getting healthier. Um, I, I imagine you would think they would make sure he's at the absolute utmost health before they put him back in to buy themselves some time. But uh, what do you kind of see? How do you see that playing out? Yeah, I would think that, you know, if, if Cam is completely healthy, and, and the Panthers are still on a winning streak, I would think that they would still say, all right, let's, uh, you know, let, let's ride it out with Kyle Allen. But I think yeah. if, you know, if they go into a little tailspin or, or Kyle doesn't, uh, you know, play as well as he had played early on, uh, then, then they, would, they would probably go with Cam. That would be my guess. Yeah. All right. So one more subscriber question, and then I'll ask you a bonus question of my own before we wrap. Uh, so Matthew L. says, Dear Dan, what do you expect and hope to see from the Colts for the rest of the season? AFC South champs? <laughs> well, uh, you know, they're in that position now, certainly, at 4-2. Yeah. and two, And, uh, you know, they've been a really good team, and I think they've been building for this for a while. It's a great credit to uh, their general manager, Chris Ballard, and their head coach, Frank Reich, and the coaching staff that they've been able to absorb – uh, the loss of Andrew Luck and and still been able to put themselves in this position and uh, came up with a big win this last week even. So, um, you know, yeah, I'd say right now they, they are in the catbird seat to win that, that division. And, uh, you know, uh, Jacoby Brissett has played exceptionally well. And, uh, you know, they, they've got some good pieces around him. And I think they're a strong team. I do. If you had to pick right now a coach of the year, in your opinion, who it would be, would you say Sean Payton or Frank Reich? I'd go with Payton. You know, yeah. I, I think what he's done has been pretty remarkable. Uh, losing Drew Brees for the time that they have and, um, you know, the way he's game planned week to week. And uh, this last week, obviously, was a, a tremendous uh, game plan as well, being without Alvin Kamara. And uh, going into Chicago and beating a pretty good team, yeah, I think I think he's been he's been pretty remarkable. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's been fun to watch both of those teams just because the coaching has been so great, and you've seen them kind of both respond to really difficult situations with obviously losing Breeze and then having Luck randomly, you know, kind of out of nowhere retire in the offseason. So it's been they've been so good and successful both those teams because of the coaching that they have. So. It's been fun to watch. All right. So that wraps up our subscriber questions. I just want to ask you a quick one from me, Dan. Uh, you know, I've mentioned a couple of the profiles you've written uh, for us throughout this podcast, and you've obviously written many more. Um, I was just wondering if you have a favorite one uh, from that you've recently written. You know, you've written on Adam Gase, Lamar Jackson, recently on the on the Pouncey Brothers, uh, and uh, you wrote about uh, Mike Thomas. Uh, do you have a favorite one or, or a particularly interesting, maybe like behind the scenes uh, story you want to share from one of those profiles? Um, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, as, as a writer yourself, Amy, you know that 
our stories are like our children. We don't love more one more than the other, right? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but I think uh, it, that's always a hard question for me because I think think of all the different ones and everything that went into each one, uh, and I've, I've enjoyed uh, so many of them. It's it's been really uh, I'm really grateful to uh, the athletic and you and Lisa Wilson for uh, giving me the support to do these stories and behind the scenes help. Uh, too. So, uh, I will, t- well, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, the, the, um, I'll tell you a little bit. I did a, I have got a story out today that's on the Athletic Chicago, uh, about Ed Obradovich, who, uh, is a, uh, you know, a legendary former bear who played in the 1960s. And, uh, he, he's a one of a kind, old school, don't make him like, like him anymore type of guy. And he told some, some great stories. And a lot of it's just uh, stories that I've never heard before. And I've been around the bears for forever. So I really, I, I enjoyed sitting with him and picking his brain. And, you know, it, it's just, it's great to tell the stories of the old guys while they still are around to tell them. Uh, so I, I love that. You know, I, and then my, my next uh, most recent story for the athletic NFL, I believe was a Mike Thomas story. And I really enjoyed that one as well uh, as a guy who's just, you know, one, one of the very best at what he does. And, he, you know, he's he's on a pace to be, become one of the most prolific wide receivers uh, ever, maybe the most prolific, prolific if he could keep it going. But um, and really starting, I took a good look, I thought, at, at uh, what makes him tick and what makes him special. And uh, he was pretty uh, forthcoming about some of the things, you know, he's a guy who just got paid a uh, hundred million dollars in new contract in the off season and uh, hasn't affected him a bit. We sat and talked about it for uh, a long time uh, at, at the Saints facility. And uh, he kind of let me into some of his thinking and how, uh, you know, how he got to where he is and why none of that will change with him. Yeah, I liked. I think you had a line in there about how he just got paid, but he plays like he's still trying to get paid. Um, which I and he acts, you know, he practices like he's still trying to get paid. Um, which I thought was really insightful, and I uh, really enjoyed that story as well. So, Dan, thank you so much for coming on with us. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for uh, trying to uh, <laughs> calm down the Bears fans. I don't know that they're ever going <laughs> to calm it down, but uh, so thank you so much. Um, I'm Amy Perlopiano. We will be back uh, next week with The Mailroom with another special guest. And you can read all of Dan Pompey's stuff here at theathletic.com slash NFL or at The Athletic Chicago as well. He's got plenty of good stories up there, um, including the ones we mentioned and many more. So we will see you guys next week.